everyone. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me. We're talking about everyone's favorite books from the Book Talk universe, and today we're diving into one of our favorite series. This is actually recording three of this series, and we're talking about Zodiac Academy, of course. Hilda <laughs> just did like a whoop whoop arm pump, but we're really excited to be diving into book three. Uh, called The Reckoning. So, of course, we're going to go into some spoiler warnings right off the bat before I even introduce who's here with us. So, if you have not gone to or read any of books past one and two, this is going to talk about a lot of the things that happen in Zodiac Academy with some potential spoilers and crossovers to the other books, like The Ruthless Boys, potentially. And I don't think we ever really touch on Darkmoor. So, those are all your spoiler warnings. So, before we get into it, let's say talk about who's here. Of course, we're joined with Hilda because you know we're talking about Lance. So I you know our girl Hilda's here. There's other stuff that happened in the book besides stuff that happened with Lance. It's a good thing we're going to try to make you remember <laughs> what happened. Just kidding. We're back with Bridget. Hi, hi. And our special guest, Colleen. Hello there. The gang is all here, plus one. Oh, wait. And who's who's hosting this? What's your name today, oh, Caitlin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Look at that blank stare. And I'm like, what? We are. It's It's us. <laughs> It's not a trick question. Every time I forget. (laughs) It's me, Caitlin, your lovable, forgetful host. (laughs) So we're super excited again to be talking about Zodiac Academy, The Reckoning, book three. This is book three in an eight-part series, and the last book comes to us in December, and we're super jazzed about that. So we're getting all caught up and getting you caught up on what happened. So when the last book drops, you know exactly what happened and can catch right back up. So before we kick off, how about Hilda? You take us through our five-minute recap. Sure. Let's do it. So I cannot stress that there is so much stuff that happens in this book. I can't believe it's only like 450 pages. It's crazy. And the time frame is only a week. So That was a note picks- we had. Yeah. We're like, what is... What- the whole One series, week, book days. three, takes place in like I feel like a month, the course of a month, and so much is jam packed into this. Right before we jumped on to record, we were kind of going over all our notes and our high points we want to talk about. It's like ten things, and then we kept thinking like, what about this? What about that? So Hill is going to do our best to to recap it down for you for a quick five minute or on what the heck happened in this book because it's a lot. Yep. And I actually think I did this faster than five minutes. I don't know. Feel free to interject, guys. So book three is picking up right where book two left off. And Principal Nova is calling an assembly to basically talk about the nymph attack. And yes, so sad. People died. But they're fae. They're going to suck it up. And they're still moving forward with the reckoning and hell week. And so... Essentially, the reckoning is that test that they take uh, at the beginning of the semester to prove that they're fully enrolled at the academy. And there's element trials for all of the elements. So you're supposed to take the test or the trial for the element that you have, which means the twins have to go to all four elements. And so then they have the reckoning later. But then there's also Hell Week, which is essentially the upper class men hazing them and forcing them to use their magic and be fae because, you know, fae don't take shit sitting down. So the twins have a packed schedule. And then when the week ends, it's not only the reckoning, but also the lunar eclipse, which the lunar eclipse makes them all, for lack of a better word, really horny. And they're all supposed to embrace the carnal sides of their nature and everything that entails. And this forces Lance to have to teach a sexual education class for Faye, which is as cringy and embarrassing and as hilarious as you would expect it to be. Um, so I know we'll talk about that in more details. 
So while all of this is going on, there's also the trials and tribulations of the different relationships. And so after the big fight with the nymphs, Lance ends up telling Darcy that he's having second thoughts about their relationship. And so that forces Darcy to make a decision, which we will do a deep dive on. And then Tori is going back and forth with Darius and Caleb. And while she knows she has a connection with Darius, she keeps hooking up with Caleb because honestly, Darius just keeps fucking up with her, to put it plainly. And then at the end of all of this, Lionel, that big bastard of an iguana, he comes and just fucks shit up at the end of the book. Sorry, (laughs) the big bastard of an iguana really got me. So yeah, so that is essentially the super quick summary of what happens in book three. And then now we'll do our deep dive. So where do we want to start? I think for you, Hilda, we should start with Lance and Darcy. Well, Colleen, if you're gonna really gonna force force me. I know I'm twisting your arm. I know. So Lance and Darcy. Okay. So you guys know at the end of book two, they hooked up the fight with the nymph happened, they power shared and the fight hooked up. They Just made so. out in the pool. It was a hot makeout session in the pool. Okay, thank you. I don't want them p- the people to think that they had sex. Oh, no. Please, you can reference back <laughs> to like, our last episode. Please clarify episode. which base are they at. First, second, third, or home run. I feel like this was probably like shortstop. I feel like nobody ever talked about none of us like I'm so <laughs> not familiar enough with shortstop. I have to nobody, define shortstop for us. Here. Nobody played softball. or Okay, so first base second base. We know what that is. And then between third base and second base, you have the shortstop position, which is kind of random. So it's kind of like in between and then obviously third base and then home run. But oh. like, you think that's shortstop? Like that scene was that? Well, maybe, well, because like hands base. were wandering. Hands were wandering. That was not They had all base. their clothes on. Yeah. Well, Lance is but wearing boxers. Were yeah, he was in his underwear. Oh, you're right. He was in his underwear. They were wet from the pool. He was in a full dress. (laughs) Get your head out of the gutter. I'm sure they were wet for other reasons too, but I mean. How very washer of you. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. So they got to second base. Fine. They got to second base. Wandering hands. Whatever. I guess. He copped the feel. I guess. Okay. So here it is. If you were to see that action live in a movie, would you be comfortable watching it in front of your parents? I guess probably not still. Okay, so not second base. I can't, you know, that's not fair because my parents are super strict. Like, I don't even kiss my own husband in front of them. So, <laughs> okay, so again, crazy hot makeout session, possibly second base at the end of book two. And so the big nymph fight happens. They power share. And again, we talked about how power sharing is something that you really only do with somebody that you trust. So the fact that they did it so seamlessly is a big deal. And so they have their liaison. So now we're in book three. They have their first liaison. And of course, it's super awkward because even though they both made the decision that, you know, they're going to keep their professional relationship, their student teacher relationship, it's clearly super awkward. And so they go and train in I don't know, the howling woods so that Darcy can try to recreate that red and blue fire that she used during the nymph attack. And one thing leads to another, they get physical, whatever, they're play fighting. And so he kisses her on the cheek, thanks her for saving his life, and then basically tells her that he's rethinking their relationship. And so Darcy decides though to walk away because she knows what the consequences of them getting into a relationship are. And she doesn't want to put his job at risk. She doesn't want to put his imprisonment or at risk. That's an make sense. She didn't want him to go to jail. So that happens. However, clearly they just have a bunch 
of chemistry, like it can't be denied. And so then going out of order, we end up at um, sexual education for Faye, uh, which is one of the best scenes in this. This is great. So of course, again, super awkward that the person that you have a huge crush on is teaching you how to perform your birth control spell. Which, Which actually, would be very handy in real life, I got to say. Absolutely. Absolutely. Except that if you don't do it right, you're when they're practicing, because they practice on fruit, it like explodes. You and like blow up I, your genitals. You know, taking the you pill and never had to worry about anything exploding. So I will say. <laughs> you burn them or cons. freeze them, <laughs> cover them in vines, blast them off. What happens with air? So anyways. Explodes. Um. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, the class is interrupted by Francesca, um, i.e. the FIB Cyclops, who is Lance's nebular ally, because she has to take him in, or she has to question him about the nymph attack. And um, Washer comes in and very kindly offers to teach the Fae in the class about, I don't know. I love more that like pervy an- old Washer is just waiting around just w- jumping in the hallway to be like, oh, did anyone? Yeah. What about now? With now? his now? marking bag. around corners, <laughs> with his bag of sex toys at the um, ready. He to wasn't encourage- even like, let me run home. I'll be back in ten minutes. Class. He's like, what? You need this here? Plunk. Ugh, so gross. Really, one of the best comedic scenes in this book. I don't think there are any other ones that I can think of off the top of my head, but this one was pretty great. It sounds as terrible and as cringy as you could think it to be. So Lance eventually comes back. He kicks Washer out. Um, They continue to practice the spells. The girls with peaches, the boys with bananas. And eventually, class ends. (laughs) So terrible. Class ends and Lance asks Darcy to stay after class and help him pick up. But it's really just a ploy to spend more time with her. Um, And he, they have a kind of hot scene they don't actually kiss but there's a lot of tension and he's basically asking her to kiss him back um and at first she's like well i don't kiss people that are taken because she's convinced that he's dating francesca and he's like i don't know what you're talking about and he's secretly happy that she's jealous but before anything can happen nova comes and interrupts because they need to have some type of assembly because a curfew has been imposed because of the nymph attack and nobody's sticking to it Shocking, right? A bunch of teenage fae not listening to curfew. Can't I like that they enlist like. Lance to do that. Like they're like, oh, we're struggling with students. Let's get the asshole teacher involved. Meanwhile, like half of the students just think he's like hot. Of course, they're gonna follow whatever he says. You know, Probably. it's really interesting because I don't know if it's just because for the sake of plot, but Nova's always going to Lance for these types of things. Like always. he's in charge of detention. He's in charge of being the asshole. The um, liaison. Yeah. yeah, she always wants his backup on everything. And he's the youngest teacher, has the least tenure there. So I guess that goes to show how powerful he is, or at least that it's well known that he has ties to the A. Crux family. And right, I think that's probably, probably a little bit of both. That shared power there. Yeah, I think he's the second most powerful vampire after Caleb at the school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense, but also. And part of the reason why he and Caleb have a power struggle and don't get along is because technically Caleb is more powerful 
um, than him, but because he's in a position of power, Caleb kind of has to respect him. That's why they fight over their source. Yeah, vampires Mm -hmm. don't share. They're not a fan of sharing or being on anyone else's territory. They're very solitary creatures, as one can imagine, which is right up in line with Lance's moody moodiness. He doesn't, doesn't pack a close group of close friends, except for Darius. I mean, it's okay. I don't like people either. She just likes Lance. You're well um, suited. Exactly. So then Darcy is up to something. We don't know exactly what, but she's over at the Pluto offices picking up a package and she's with Diego and she won't let Diego know what's in the package that she picks up. And so he's I don't know, kind of like horsing around with her. And the next thing they both know, Lance has grabbed Diego and basically thrown him to the ground, catching himself off guard too about his reaction. And so he uses the excuse that Diego's manhandling his source, but Darcy doesn't really buy it. So then the next thing we know, essentially Darcy is in her room and what has she decided to do? She has decided to dye her entire hair blue. So when we first met Darcy, it was just the tips that were blue but now it's her entire hair and fun fact apparently Faye hair dye is awesome and her hair looks great also worth noting that uh seth had chopped off a big piece of it so this is a her transition back to blue and then she's going all in to blue and not just because she used to have blue hair but importantly because lance had asked her you know are you going to dye your hair blue or maybe you're going to do green it's a recurring theme up until now that he's asking her about the color of his hair her hair and she you know asks him why he cares and he says he wants her to dye it blue because blue is the color of royalty in solaria but also to him blue means her blue means you as they say in the book But you're right. Blue means you. And so this is a big, significant, pivotal moment in their relationship. She signifies through her hair color. So then Darcy, even though we're still a couple of days away from the lunar eclipse, is really feeling that pull and draw to Lance. So even though it's raining, even though it's past curfew, even though it requires her going to asteroid place, she decides to show up at his house, chalet, apartment. They call it a chalet. I'm assuming it's like a townhouse. I don't know. It's teacher LA is quarters. very fancy sounding. I don't think it is in England though. Remember the Suzanne and Caroline are English. I, I just feel like a chalet like can only be in the Swiss mountains. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Agreed. There must they be do some, call like, it a chalet. I'm just confused at what a chalet actually looks like. Asteroid I was picturing very like, secretly in the Swiss mountains, the Swiss Alps. <laughs> I was definitely picturing like a woodsy, like cabiny townhouse. I don't know why. Maybe. I mean, I picture I- just like a town, like a townhouse, because there's a part where like yeah. he walks by washer in the pool, which is all kinds of gross. So I pictured like Ugh. that communal pool, and then he just has to like walk up, kind of like a college dorm apartment, you know? Yes. Anyways, she shows up, and of course, Lance's kind of like what the hell but he drags her into his place and it's a really like i don't know how to i mean you guys you have to read it it's really i'm not doing it justice with the explanation but basically she shows him her blue hair and it's kind of like whoa what does this mean they have a conversation before they hook up i was gonna say is that what you're calling it they have a conversation well they do have they do have a conversation where they admit that they're gonna do this they're gonna enter this relationship and obviously nobody can know not darius not tori not anybody and then they proceed to have pretty hot sex for them they have a good time they have a good time i had a good time reading it yeah it was a good scene they have a good time after repeatedly yeah (laughs) after two books we finally got it so we're happy we're all happy everyone's happy now it's worth noting that the 
it just goes to talk about how dangerous this relationship actually is because Darcy can't talk about this with her twin, Tori, who she tells everything to. So the importance, the secrecy, it's all there because she's got to keep – they've got to keep it from their two most important people in their lives in order to protect both of themselves. As you can imagine, And protect those people because they don't want them involved in the event that mm-hmm. their relationship comes to light. So – they're trying to protect themselves, but they also don't want to involve anyone else in their illicit affair. Oh, yeah, that was, was a really good choice of words. Plausibili- no, plausible deniability? Some, I think so. Like yeah, I think that's right. I'll get there eventually. But deniable plausibility also sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, their relationship obviously cannot be that simple. And I don't want to get into it, but there is a situation between Tori and Darius that Lance and Darcy witness that causes Darcy and Lance to have a huge fight. And we'll explain that a little bit more when we talk about Tori and Darius. He tries to force, well, I wouldn't say force. He tries to basically ignore that this happened because what the situation between Tori and Darius was a sort of fay on fay. So he didn't get involved, um, but Darcy feels otherwise. And so I wouldn't say they break up because how do you break up with somebody that you just hooked up with, but they decide to cool their relationship for a couple of days. That being said, Lance asks her to get some information out of Diego because Lance and Darius were practicing some of their dark magic and shadows. And they realized that Diego's uncle Alejandro works for Lionel. And so they wanted to get more inside information on the deviousness that Lionel is plotting because they know he's up to something. So Darcy decides to ask Diego out to the fairy fair. Mind you, this is after all of the elemental trials um, and the girls passed all of them. Well, I want to talk dip on that a little bit, right? My favorite thing about the water trial, the air trial was essentially when Lance is walking down the beach stripping and then Tori, and this is the, day after uh, he and Darcy hooked up and Tori was essentially like one of the best lines in the book where she's like fuck me that body and so of course Darcy's like can't say anything about it can't say like I I am exactly I hit that then they passed the air trial they helped Diego pass it as well because he was struggling the water trial Tori is able to get some magical training from Max and he teaches her how to create a water bubble over or an air bubble over her face so she can overcome her fear of water. Important and so they to also know that wasn't out of the goodness of Max's heart. It was no. because she had gleaned that his mother is not his actual mother, that he is, I guess, the illegitimate heir to the to water. So he felt that he had to do something in return for her keeping her this secret for him. Right. And that was Otherwise, result, Max never would have helped. Yeah. No, Max would have never helped. But that was a direct result of her answering his siren call. So sirens put out a call to lure someone just like you'd hear in like, you know, pirate stories, mermaids. <laughs> I don't know what you hear about sirens. Sailor. There we go. Sailor stories. There we go. And so Tori calls to Tori, wakes her up out of the middle of the night, and she goes to answer his call and to, you know, sirens feed off emotions. So they have to kiss, of course. And in doing so, traditionally, 
Max's siren powers would kind of feed off Tori's emotions, but Tori's so powerful that it does like a reverse Uno card. And instead of feeding off of her emotions, she sort of feeds off him and she kind of gets into his deepest, darkest secrets, which is that he is the illegitimate water air. And I think that happens in book two, though. It does. I'm just recapping. It does, right? Okay. They're all the same in my brain. My God. We read these so quickly that all this stuff bleeds together. During, so they pass the water trial. Tori's able to get over her fear of water. During the fire trial, we find out that the twins are impervious to fire. The fire does not hurt the twins, which obviously freaks out Darius because he can't hurt them with his dragon fire. And it just shows in one more way how the twins are more powerful than the heirs. And then the earth trial is, I guess there's a weird worm or creature. Going after them. Very Akatar vibes to yes. me. <laughs> Absolutely. It made me think of the, was it the mid, the midworm, the middenguard worm? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Middenguard worm. But it just, you know, they pass. It's through tunnels and they have to escape it basically before they get, not eaten, but something happens to them. No, I think eaten. <laughs> I think that is the, I think that is the threat at the beginning. They're like, go and um, something's going to eat you if you don't do this fast enough. I mean, honestly, I don't think we would want to know the consequences of them not passing the trial. I guess we have all, that's all four. They pass. Yeah, Ta-da! they pass. They get to say it's Zodiac. Uh, well, not we have the reckoning yet. after yeah. the trials. Oh, yeah. that's true. I forget those two. Uh, to me, they're like two separate tasks. You've got the trials and you've got the reckoning. But I forget that's sort of like your final final. That's your yeah. fight. So each trial, each trial, you get like a number um, point system based on how you do and how you like place if you're first, second, third. And at the end, after the trials are over, then you go to the reckoning and you basically have that mind. I, want, I was going to say mind fuck situation where they're like in your head and they're. It's like a weird see, like psychedelic trip is how I yeah. sort of imagine. Basically, it. and they determine how fey you are and it gives you a point system. Or like a point scale, and that determines if you're going to be staying at Zodiac Academy or not. Yeah, it's something mm-hmm. like you need over 12, 12 or something like that. Yeah, and I think the the twins both get a 19, if I'm remembering correctly. I thought they got a 21. Oh, maybe they get a 21. Either way, they do well. They clearly yeah, they yeah, score above extremely a 12. high. The, the most important thing about what happens during, I guess, that reckoning moment where I guess the purpose of it is to prove that they're fae so they can stay at the school is that it goes through a history of the twins background. And so they see all of these different scenes from like their childhood, teenagers, et cetera, where they were basically being rejected by the different foster families that they were shuffled to and fro from as they were growing up. But they also witnessed a strange scene, which was the fire that took I guess they're human parents. And so essentially there was a huge fire at their parents' house when they were babies and they thought everybody had died. But then all of a sudden the firemen find the twins. And of course they were unharmed because as we come to find out, they're impervious to fire. But before the firemen or yes, before the firemen found them, they saw some, what they assumed was a fae kind of like standing around watching what was going on. And so when that fae heard that, you know, everybody had died in the fire, 
he, I think they know it's a he, stardusted away. But then the firemen found them. So that was an mm. interesting tidbit. I wonder who that was. Hmm. Gosh, that's so weird that that hmm. would happen. Stardust. Who controls the stardust in this series? I don't know. Guess you'll have to read to find out. <laughs> Rob will no be the spoilers here. Who is very iguana-like, right? Right? Hint, hint, hint. So. Big fan um, of the twins, this guy. Right. So that happens. Okay. So Lance has asked Darcy to get more information about Alejandro from Diego. So she decides to ask him out to the fairy fair in Tucano, which is happening after all of like their exams. And so she goes to the fair. And at this point, Darcy and Tori have helped Tyler Corbin go out, out on a date with Sophia. And so I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but Sophia and Diego were kind of seeing each other, but he never officially asked her out. And so at some point, Tyler kind of like swoops in because he's also a Pegasus like Sophia. And Sophia is really like impressed by him. And so they kind of like start going out. So Darcy's going out with Diego. It's not really a date. Kind of thinks it is a date. It's kind of weird. Anyways, as they're leaving the campus, she feels somebody staring at her and she looks back and she realizes it's Lance basically giving her a death glare. And so they go to the I want to say fair. Darcy invited him out to get the information, but also because she felt bad because she helped Tyler hook up yeah. with Sophia. So to her, it's like a friend date. Diego, he was kind of thinking it was a date date, but also Diego wasn't wearing his hat. Like, I think that's important, right? That is a very good point. Yes. Um, so, that comes into play in book four. I don't remember when Lance took this hat from him. Do you guys? No, he had gotten it back by then. Because in book two, when Caleb got into the fight with Diego, when Darcy got punched in the face and Lance took back her hair bracelet, Seth had taken Diego's hat. And so Lance took back the beanie and the bracelet. And so he's had it all this time. On the watermelon. Well, he had it all this time. He eventually put it on the watermelon and he told Diego that he has to get it back. And so after the altercation in the Pluto offices, they go together as a group along with like Angelica and Geraldine and Tori to get the hat back. And so Diego, whatever, does his whole, he cuts his hand open so he can bleed to show that he's Faye. So he gets his hat back. But when he shows up at Darcy's room uh, to go to the fairy fair with her, he has cut his hair and he's not wearing his hat. Ah, okay. He dressed up. He thought it was a date date. He wanted to look nice for her. Because I guess he's trying in his own way to make Sophia jealous. Although, I mean, Sophia's with Tyler at this point. Like, she doesn't care. Sorry, Diego. So they get to the fairy fair. And next thing you know, Darcy sees that Lance is there with Francesca. And I don't so, know, too early to talk about Francesca as a whole. And if so, I'll just, I'll wait three more books. I'm just uh, going to say, I don't like her. I know she's Lance's nebula ally, so I know she's not going to intentionally harm him. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about her. 
even this is book three and, you know, we're up to book seven. And I still don't know how to feel about her. Well, like, you're I felt- not supposed to. You're not supposed to like her, I feel. I, I don't dislike her as much as you guys. I don't like her, but I'm not violently against her. I feel like when I read The Awakening as told by the boys, I liked her less because you get a little bit more of her perspective where she – well, not her perspective, but you just see more where it seems like she really wants to pursue a relationship with Lance. And she's a little bit more – I don't know. She's like needier. And she's, she's pushy. Like, yes, in that one. And when I read the original – just the mm-hmm. re- original series, it she didn't bother me as much. I was kind of like, get out of here because I really want Darcy and Lance together. But I didn't – there was nothing about her aside from that that made me annoyed by her. Okay, so, I think my dislike for her has grown over the series. But at this you point don't like in time, her. You don't like I did her not like her. Happened. Well, you ultimately don't like her because of what happened in book five. And so you're like protein – projecting your feelings from book five onto Absolutely. This. But at this point, I still did not like her because I was like, you know he doesn't like you, yet you're still so, trying so hard. But Lance is also an asshole, and I'm going to no, say that right now because so, I feel like he was leading her on. A hundred percent. I wouldn't say oh, yeah. he was intentionally leading her on, but he was clueless enough that he didn't realize what he was doing. Oh, because Lance his whole knew thing- what he was doing. He knew what because he was it, doing. His I whole mean, thing was like, fairy we're fair? friends. We're, oh, well, at the fairy fair, he did know what he was doing. But before that, he was like, we're just friends with benefits. And this is like a mutually beneficial relationship for both of us. But he's like a terrible nebular ally because I mean, she's yes. like pouring out his feeling, her feelings to him. And he just does not pay attention to her. It's like this could have been easily avoided if you had put your listening ears on for a moment, Lance. Yeah, but you know what? That makes he was too busy point. being obsessed with Darcy. Because they are I mean, also allies, but I feel like one helps one more than the other. Like, I don't really feel like Lance is pulling his weight. No. <laughs> Again, I just I felt mean, like I'm a Francesca lover, but she does all the heavy lifting. She does in all that the heavy lifting. Ally relationship. She's going 90, Lance is going 10. Unless I mean, what she's getting out of it is is the the sex she does like when he bites her maybe so lance goes 90 and she's real that. jealous when she was no longer the source so yeah i mean why are we talking this much about her she's not that important oh <laughs> uh, like don't talk about my mans that way okay no, so we're gonna I mean, talk about what he did at um fairy no, no, fairy because no, no. i think that's he, important no no he acts like absolutely i think i think he screwed francesca over more than he probably takes Credit for basically, yeah. like, like takes responsibility for. He probably yes. screwed over more than that. But at the end of the day, like, you're not supposed to like her. Does she get screwed over? Yeah, but you don't really care because you don't really care about her. She's just, she's there to serve a plot point, which is to be this weird foil that Darcy is kind of jealous of. What a cold take. Does <laughs> it need a plot to be? point? <laughs> she is a plot point. She's a cyclops and it's creepy and whatever. It's okay not to like her. It's okay to hate her. And it's okay not to care about her. I feel like you're talking to yourself then. It's okay to hate her. <laughs> it's okay not to like her. I was like, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> yourself. Okay. I think I'm team Colleen on this one. And just, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's fine. Neither here nor there. So Darcy and Francesca kind of keep showing up wherever Darcy 
wait, what did I say? Lance and Francesca keep showing up where Darcy and Diego are. And at some point, Darcy and Diego are walking around and they see Tyler and Sophia making out, which makes Darcy feel really guilty because again, she helped hook up Tyler and Sophia. And so Diego sees it too. And Darcy feels the need to apologize to Diego and just be like, hey, you know, I did something bad. It was kind of my doing. That's why they're together. But Diego decides to interpret that as, oh, well, did you do that because you feel this thing between us and you wanted us to be together? And then he goes and he kisses Darcy. And Darcy is totally taken aback by this because she does not have those types of feelings for Diego. But again, she was just kind of like, whoa, dude, this guy kissed me. But then as she pulls away, she realizes that Lance has seen Diego kiss her. And so Darcy feels the need to run to him to like explain that there's nothing going on. And she kind of like loses him in the crowd. But then when she finds him again, he's making out with Francesca against one of the booths. The worst. So she is just devastated by this. And it's okay to hate Lance for like the next 15 pages or however long. He was such um, a douchebag. This last. Anyways, Darcy decides that, you know, she's going to enjoy the rest of her evening as best as she can. And so she and Diego grab food. They're going to go on the Ferris wheel. That's F-A-E-R-R-I-S. Ferris. I always love when they, they it. try to put like the fey into it. Like a, a cl- their little puns. A clever um, fey pun. And as they are riding or as they're getting on the ride, all of a sudden Lance shows up and shoves Diego out of the way and he's like, I need my source. And so he locks Darcy in the Ferris wheel car with him. And he basically is like, okay, this is enough. Whatever is going on needs to stop. And so they kind of have this little tiff and she explains like, I can't believe you kissed her. And he's like, well, you kissed him first. And she's just like, she's ready kind of to end the relationship. But he's, he asks her, you know, do you think that we're done? So, you know, she has to admit that they're not. But she does tell him that she wishes that he would apologize for what happened with Tori and Darius. And he's like, oh, you want an apology? Okay, I'll give you a great apology. And so he kind of just leaps off of the Ferris wheel because he has air power and he can do that. And she she gets a message from him to meet him in the circus tent. And so basically he decides to apologize by electrocuting himself. I'm not going to lie. I really didn't understand this part. Like, why would he do that? Like, I'm going to physically inflict pain on myself. It was like a macho yes. man bullshit thing. I, um, I also didn't understand it. And I didn't like reading it the first time. And then when I reread, I still really didn't enjoy it. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. He decides to electrocute himself. Darcy realizes that the guy that he was competing against wasn't hooked up to the electricity. So she hooks him up. And so Lance ends up winning. And so then he texts her and he's like, you know, meet me by the fence. I'll pick you up. And so he picks her up in his Ferrari. Mm-hmm. It's important to note what he won also, because that will come into play in the Ferrari. Oh, yes. He won a crown for being the champion that withstood pain the most. Apparently, this has never happened before. And so they're in the car together and they're just talking. And she tells him that she had gone in and hooked up the other guy to the electricity. And so he pulls over the car. They start making out. They end up having sex. Kind of rough. Home run. Sex. It was a pretty good scene. They make up for what happened. And at the end of that, he actually grabs the crown that was in his car that he got for, you know, almost flambeing himself. And he puts it on her head. 
and he crowns her. When she calls it out, he's like, yeah, I know this is weird. Um, Kind of brushes it aside, but. Right. And it's a sweet scene because he's really putting, he he sees that she could be, has the potential to be a good leader, but obviously it paints him in a, a weird position because his best friend, his guardian, is Darius, who also wants the very same position. So you start to see Lance sort of pick his sides in, in these two paths. Well, I kind of took it as, whether or not who whoever ends up being on the throne, Lance acknowledges that she is his queen. Yeah, I got. You know, as, I took as it that as too. like a. I think you'd make a good queen, but you're also my queen. My the my queen part is yeah. kind of what we're getting at. Yeah, like you're definitely my queen, and so that actually comes into play later, book six. So, anyways, that is essentially Darcy and Lance's relationship in this book, except for the stuff that happens in the lunar eclipse. But during the lunar eclipse, they're both looking for each other, wanting to find each other so they can hook up. But well, because of what happens at the lunar eclipse, we're gonna have to pause their portion of the story there. So we can pick up Tori and Darius. The other Wait, before we jump into Tori and Darius, I just want to hit like one little plot point that's going to be important in the future but diego was at the fairy fair with darcy and before she left to go to um oh excellent point to meet up with lance they had a little conversation and he she was basically like trying to excuse lance for his asshole behavior and then diego turns around and it's like calls her like a slut or a bitch or something like that and she was so appalled because it's supposed to be her really good friend and he's not right as we find out it has to do part of like how he feels about lance and also he's not wearing his hat which we find out later why that's important but of course now the friend group finds out and they're all like screw diego we're not dealing with this because when darcy comes back off of the ferris wheel diego starts you know, saying how much he hates Lance, blah, 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 and how he wished that he had died during the nymph attack. Uh, which yes, causes, it was something very drastic. Yeah. Which causes Darcy to slap him. And <gasps> then Forgot that's that part, when yeah. Diego was like, you're pathetic and you're just a stupid whore like your sister. Something along those lines. He calls her a whore. Wow, Diego. Yeah, Didn't no. know you had it in you. So Tori and Darius. Um, I like know, Darius. I this may be a hot couple. take. <laughs> this may be a hot take, but I always love Tori and Darius. Well, you know, Darius is on my RH, so you know I love him. <laughs> I don't think Darius is on my RH. I have to look. I don't think he. Uh, I'll have to fact check this. Please hold. I have grown to love Darius, and I started loving Darius in book five. I had already identified that clearly Darius is supposed to be Tori's romantic. Love interest, yeah, yeah. End game, love interest. But he, you know, we just went off on five minutes on how Lance is such an idiot to Francesca. Darius is the, the ultimate biggest idiot of all. Yes, idiot yeah. when it comes the king to Tori. of the idiots. He's so thick. So not on like, my RH, in case you were wondering, he wasn't <laughs> wasn't there. Caitlin's like he's so stupid he didn't make the list. Yeah, I like a little brain with my brawn, you know? <laughs> yeah, and his brain is just really not there in these not as big beginning books. Now, granted, granted, we know that Darius has been threatened by Lionel that he's going to hurt Xavier. And I get it. He loves his little brother. He's the only really family member that he cares about because, you know who can care about Lionel. He's a monster. And Catalina, the mom is really just like distant. And she's she's kind of like a shell. Yep. Yeah. Exactly what she Um, is. She's just, she's a pretty trophy wife. She's a gorgeous trophy wife. So 
Tori and Darius. So book three obviously picks up with their relationship again. She was crying over him almost dying at the end of the battle of book two. So obviously she's feeling some sort of way about this idiot. His emotions are starting to run deep for this only being, again, a month into knowing each other. What was really annoying about them is that they are so hot and cold. It, it literally gives you whiplash. You're like, no, okay, yes, it's happening. <sighs> yeah. The thing is that they're both so stubborn. Stubborn, yeah. They're headstrong. Mm-hmm. And nobody and, wants to admit it. And there's or have a conversation. Happens. A lot of people in these books don't believe in communicating, and it oh, drives me the miscommunication me up a wall. trope between them is like so frustrating. I'm like, it's insane. It's not just them, but at these beginning books, it is primarily them, and I can't take it. I'm like, just even Use your when words, like, everyone. Horoscope comes up, and they're like, "The stars have spoken about your day." Like, it's clearly talking about Darius Tory. Get it together. If you have a conversation with a, I don't remember what his sign is, Leo. Something. Yeah, like Leo. That. Yeah. He's if a Leo. You have a conversation with a Leo. Things will get better today. She's like, "Nope, not going to do that." Screw I will say that, though stars. that Tori doesn't believe in the stars and she like wants to reject anyone that tells her what the fuck to do. So she's like, fuck you back. And then Darius, his entire thing is always like, you have Lionel there. And so I feel like majority of the time, like he's feeling all that pressure to like kick them out and, you know, be terrible to them in order to protect them from Lionel turning on them. So I get why he's like this, but it's so frustrating. He's very singularly focused. And he's also yeah. like the mature, like the emotional maturity of like, I feel like a five-year-old sometimes. <laughs> he throws the biggest dragon he tantrums. He does. He does have a big dragon tantrum. <laughs> he he gets all like mopey and moody, even when they go to their little hideaways. One of my favorite things is when they're like, he's constantly growling, especially when like Caleb is like flirting with Tori and pisses him off. It's always like Darius growled, Darius growled. (laughs) And he doesn't actually say, hey, I want, well, he did say her, he wanted her at the beginning before he found out who she was, but. And he always is telling Caleb to back off, but he doesn't um, express anything to Tori. Caleb hears game on. Great. Caleb's like, ooh, challenge. Let's go. So to talk about the Tori and Caleb and Darius love triangle. So at the end of book two, obviously Caleb was part of the heirs throwing the twins into the pit ball pit before the nymph attack. And so Tori's kind of rightfully annoyed at him because she really doesn't understand what's going on. Caleb wants to just be like, well, you know, that's our public life. But in our personal life, we can still hook up. We're both having fun. But Tori's really just like, yeah, no, I don't know how I feel about that. And so before the elemental trials start, they're back in the fire arena. Tori and Darius are power sharing. Uh, Caleb is supposed to be power sharing with Darcy, but obviously Darcy does not trust him. So there is no power sharing going on between them. And Tori is, you know, doing her typical fire shapes with Darius, which means that she makes a motorcycle which prompts Darius to be like, hey, you know, we're going to go out tomorrow night and race. And so the only significant thing that happens in that, I guess, chapter is that Caleb is really jealous that Tori and Darius are power sharing. And he literally tells Darius like, hey, stop power fucking her and get to work. So Tori, oh, wait. So before the motorcycle thing, Tori and Sophia and Diego are drinking in the orb. Was Geraldine there too? Or did I make no. that up? No, it was it's just, just the three of them. Okay. It's the three of them. Darcy is, was supposed to join them, but- um, She was off frolicking. 
She was with, no, she was with Seth because Seth was trying to initiate her into his pack. Ah, uh, that's right. She's, she's his that. omega, which we haven't talked about. We haven't talked about Darcy and Seth at all. We're going to have to go back to that. So anyways, they're in the orb playing drinking games and Tori uncharacteristically gets wasted and she starts using her magic or she's stuck in like a nightmare and she's basically using yeah yeah she passes out her water magic falls i think and hits her head and passes out and then starts freezing the entire orb in an awesome display of magic because Mm -hmm. to be able to do that unconscious and have that control over it or lack of i guess is is a problem and that's yeah. when our main dragon man, Darius, pops in to power share again, I believe, to No, Darius was no? there because he had just finished a dark magic session with Lance and he hadn't eaten. So he was going to the orb to pick up food. And so he sees them through whatever the glamour spell that Sophia had put up so they wouldn't get caught. And he realizes what's going on because he and the heirs have also been, you know, shit face drunk before that they've lost control of their power and have started manifesting. So he takes it upon himself to try to help her through this. And also because he feels guilty because he He's knows the source of that nightmare. Yeah, he knows that she's having a nightmare and it's the water and drowning an ice nightmare that he caused. See? Big dumb idiot dragon finally has a heart for a second. For so big dumb idiot dragon takes her to his room so he can keep an eye on her. At some point Tori well, kind of like power share with her while she's unconscious yeah, to like thought. yes yeah to turn the ice into like vines, flowers, vines, vines or something yeah. and made the orb super pretty yes there was fire um, and earth magic yeah yes you're right um, I said this to begin with you did you did I thought I, was like, I thought what? you meant that he was showing up for like a power sharing session and I was oh, like no no, no. he's just cruising by. And I was like, my main girl's in trouble. The orb is so freezing. he's like, all right, I'm going to take her back. Like, I'm going to watch her for the night because I caused this problem. And Sophia, sweet little Sophia, she is, you know, a little feisty little girl. And she's like, no, you're not taking my friend. Like, screw this. And she really goes to bat for Tori. I want to say that because this girl is ride or die. And she's like, you're not taking my friend to your room because you're an asshole and you've tortured her in the past. Finally, she lets go because she realized the person that who could truly help her is Darius because he's so powerful. And at that time, I'm just going to say it now because it's going to play into Xavier. Mm-hmm. Darius has like, oh, you know, you seem like a really good friend. Would you be willing to talk to a family member of mine that you know emerge as a pegasus and it's such a huge deal because he is a pegasus versus like a dragon when you know his family is known for only breeding dragon to dragon and so she's like okay sure i'll talk to your cousin or whoever he says it is it's his third cousin philip his third cousin philip so turns out philip is actually xavier darius's little brother and he is the pegasus and of course being a pegasus as Having Lionel having a Pegasus son is like a huge deal, and Lionel tries to kill him for it, but you know, very problematic for poor Xavier, who can do nothing to control it. And again, Lionel threatens him on a daily basis over it. And the best part is, he's like the prettiest one. He's like lilac. He's like a cute lilac Pegasus. I just think of like My Little Pony. I know, sweet Xavier. So it does work out for him. So Darius 
gets in contact with Sophia, who talks to his third cousin, Philip, to talk to him about coming out as a Pegasus and emerging and all those different things that he he can't really do because Pegasus are herd animals. Lionel refuses to let him be around anyone, see anyone. And so he's very lonely, little Xavier. So he has his Sophia as his lifeline. Yep. Darius is taking Tori back to her room. Go. No, he, well, takes, he takes Tori, Tori back, back to his room. Yeah. Yeah, his room, yeah. And so stuff There's happens. They end up playing the night. Playful banter before she ultimately passes out. Something about like gold jacuzzi too. Yeah, she keeps calling out his jacuzzi. She uses his toothbrush. Did she get dressed in his t-shirt too? Yeah, yeah. she takes off his shirt and puts it on. And they share a bed. And uh, so I know, but not th- the way we want it and not the way I want it. I will take a single bed trope any day. I, I was going to say I love the bed sharing trope. Like... <laughs> It's a good trope. It is a good trope. But sometimes Because, like, you know, hey. now you know, okay, they slept nicely together as cuddlers. And now you know things are going to happen in the future. And it's so sweet because of- Darius calms her instantly and is a calming presence throughout her entire night. So it's nice to know that, A, Darius has a heart buried deep down in there. And it's sweet to see them together. Well, she even, like, wakes up and she hasn't opened her eyes yet. And she's, like, in her internal monologue, she's like, I feel really, like, safe right now. I've never felt this way. I feel at home or something like that. And, you know, she cracks an eye open and is like, Darius. She's like, oh, crap. Also, she's extremely hungover. So, of course, even though they wake up and they have like a blissful 30 seconds before they realize who they woke up next to and they get to a stupid fight and... Because Darius is being a Darius and he's a Yeah, and Tori's hungover and she actually unfortunately has to go to sex education class, super hungover. And Lance kind of tortures her a little bit about it, which is kind of funny. So they like slam books down and she's like, oh, he's like head. yelling in her and he ear. like screams in her ear. And she, uh, she eats her peach. peach. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it was pretty funny. Uh, eventually, I think she gets Caleb to cure her hangover. But that night she has her motorcycle race with Darius. So Darius takes them to the ACROX banner. Lionel happens to be out of town, so it's okay. And he has to pick up some stuff. Tori has a bonding session with Xavier, and they're racing uh, trays down the stairs. And it's just, it's a really cute and heartwarming scene. I swear that Caitlin is like tearing up. Just I'm not. I'm clutching my heart. I'm like, poor sweet Xavier just has like no one. His mom is the shell of a trophy wife. His father wants to just straight up murder him. His brother, his only friend in the world, is at school dealing with the weight of a thousand things. And he finds someone who is a genuine person, not paid staff, that he confines in. And she's genuinely excited to see him as a Pegasus. She's like, that's awesome. That's amazing. Go you. Well, she doesn't even know at this time. They're racing the trays down the stairs because it's something that he used to do with his mom and his brother as a kid. So she's like, let's go do something fun. Let's do whatever you want. And he chooses that. And he's having so much fun when you're excited. You can't like control your magic. And so he shifts and he turns into a Pegasus and she's like, Oh shit. And then he freaks out because he's not supposed to shift in front of anyone because Lionel will literally murder him. Darius shows up at the same time and she's like, I don't see what the big problem is. You're pretty awesome. My best friend is a Pegasus. What's the big deal? And they're both freaking out. And she's like, Yeah. She gives him a hug in his form and like it's the most heartwarming situation. Yeah. It's like, and she's and like, even no- Darius is warmed up to her because he's like, Thank you. She's like, No wonder I like you, because you're not a dragon. An asshole dragon. <laughs> 
Yeah, of course, Tori's being Tori and has a snarky commentary throughout. So what's his name? Darius and Tori are going to go race their if motorcycles. it's not Liz Orion, it's what's his right. name. <laughs> it's storming. That's a really bad storm. Probably not the best idea. At the same time, Caleb is blowing up her phone, trying to get in contact with her because he wants to hook up with her. And eventually, I think Darius grabs her phone or maybe he takes a picture on his phone. And he sends it to Caleb. And in the picture, uh, they both look really happy and cute together. And it was totally unintentional. Anyways. I just want to touch on this one thing. Because during the race, there is a big bolt of lightning. And I'm sorry if you're getting to that Mm -hmm. already. No, go for it. Go for Uh, it. So they're doing a race. Of course, it's dramatic. It's in the rain. It's on motorcycles. They're racing to get back before the storm really hits. And as they're approaching Acrex Manor, a huge bolt of lightning just comes up out of the sky and crashes some branches down in front of them where they have to skid and and fly off of that. And Tori uses her magic, her air magic, to be able to save both of them, which is great and all. But did anyone else think that someone else caused that bolt of lightning? Like, I, I... The way they set it up, I was waiting it to be like, I I thought this was like a, someone did something like a warning or like a, like Lionel's approaching. And so it's like, I don't know. I thought it was the stars because they talk about how the stars will like, you know, they clearly have some kind of relationship, right? We haven't figured out what exactly the extent of their relationship is at this point in the story, but there has been talk of stars with nebula allies and, and, um, Elysian mates. Elysian mates, there we go. They will like put trials in front of them. So to me, that did seem like a manufactured incident to maybe drive them closer or drive them apart, but do one thing or the other. That tracks. I can see that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would think so. It's not explicitly laid out that way, but that's how I read it. It just seemed too, a little too on the nose. Yeah. It's one of the situations that the stars throw at them. And it's up to them whether they pass or fail. So they stardust back to Darius's room. And the biggest thing, I guess, from the race was that Darius won't admit that Tori was probably going to beat him. And so he tries to convince her to spend the night with him. And he's like, we don't need to do anything, but just stay. And he was basically like, you know, when we woke up together this morning, like it just felt right and natural and so but Tori's basically like you need to apologize for all the shit that you've done to me and he doesn't because again we talked about this Darius is an idiot and she ends up leaving because she's just like yeah no this isn't for me but he does text her and he's basically like well what if we say it's a draw so what was the prize again if she won uh if she won she would steal or she would get one of his motorcycles and what did he get i knew the motorcycle part he never says no she said that she would mod one of his for him he said oh yes yes something he's like i can't tell you what it is like you won't like it and then she's like okay i'll mod one of your motorcycles for you of course the douchebag's like it doesn't need any yeah okay so that happens on our list what's up next in our list Cave, cave, Dorius. Oh, Dorius. the Dorius. cave. Her new name. Oh, the stupid cave. Okay, so after the first trial, so this is after after the air trial, after Darcy and Orion hook up, the twins are at the orb and they catch 
word that there's going to be a crazy hell week prank. And so they decide to run away as far as possible from, you know, all of the action in the orb so that they don't get caught with whatever the hell week prank is. And they make their way to Air Cove, which is by Air Territory. And before she had left her room, Tori had ended up grabbing that weird knife thing that she stole from Darius's room that she doesn't know what it is. And so as they're walking through Air Cove, um, she feels drawn to something. And the next thing you know, she's using the dagger to open an entrance to a cave. And she goes inside, she's with Darcy, and they see Lance and Darius doing their dark magic stuff, although the twins don't realize what's going on. And as they're observing what's happening, Tori feels compelled by the draining dagger to cut herself. And so she enters the whatever shadow vision Lance and Darius are in. Have we explained dark magic? No, we have not. Okay, I thought so. I couldn't remember. So let's get into what's happening here and why it's confusing for the twins. Although as readers, we know sort of what's happening because we're exposed to it a little bit earlier on in the book. So there's dark magic, which is forbidden. It's outlawed. It's viewed as extremely dangerous. Um, and then I guess you just have light magic, which is everything else in the fae world. Now, dark magic has to do a lot with the spirit world, different realms, and I think some necromancy, if I'm being... Yeah. I think it has to do with the shadow realm as yes. well. They do stuff with the shadow realm, but it's also with the bones. They collect bones of deceased fae who have you know either different magic a different element than they do or are really strong in one element and using the dark magic they can access and harness that element so when darcy and tori walk into the cave they walk in to see lance harnessing fire magic which they're like, what? how is this happening? He does not have that element. And it's because he's using the bones of a fae who had fire. So when Darius uses it, it just makes his fire even stronger. So that's that's one part. And then the second part of this, you know, dark magic is the draining dagger. So the dagger that Tori took from Darius's room is... I guess like one of a set, Lance has the other one. And when they cut themselves using it, they can harness or access, maybe not harness, access the shadows. And that's when they're able to, if they have, when Darius and Tori had gone back to Acrux Manor, Darius took something um, from Lionel's office, and then they were able to use that to hone in on his location. And basically, they're able to see visions of his past. This is when they see that Alejandro, Diego's uncle, was is working with Lionel. That's what prompts Lance to ask Darcy, almost called her Darius, <laughs> to go on a date with Diego. There's a lot of D names right then. My brain just struggled. All of these names are starting to sound alike. Dairy. Yes. Dairy. Dairy and Darcias. Yes, Darcias. But they so the the reason why Lance is teaching Darius this dark magic, Lance Lance knows about it from his his father. So his father was well versed in it, a practitioner of the dark magic. And it was part of how he died, actually. I think they were experimenting and and that's what led to his death. And 
even though it's very dangerous, Lance is trying to teach Darius so that way he is able to harness more magic, different magic, and is able to one day challenge Lionel because as it stands, he's not as powerful as Lionel, so he wouldn't be able to beat him without this additional magic. And the other reason why Lance and Darius are spying on Lionel is because as the eclipse is approaching, they know that he's up to something and they want to know what that is because at the lunar eclipse four years previously, Clara, Lance's sister, went missing. Yes. So because Tori, not Darcy, has cut herself with the knife, she gets in on this vision and Basically, that is when Lance and Darius are alerted that somebody else is in this cave with them. I think then Darcy, I'm having a struggle with their names right now. (laughs) Darcy like slaps Lance out of the, I guess, this trance that they're essentially in while they're having the vision because while they have cut themselves and I guess delicately Tori is bleeding out from her cut. So she needs Lance to save her sister, essentially. So while he's doing that, Darius is freaking out because he wants to know how she got that knife. No, I think initially he's freaking out because she's dying. Or and yeah, she's lost to the like shadows. Five seconds though. And then <laughs> He's yeah, like, but he, he does- can't, he like actually feels it the same way she had felt it when he was dying at the end of the last yeah. book. He was like, you can't leave me. And he was like, really like trying to save like, her and he wanted to pair, power share Rich, with Lance. you said that they were hot and cold. And this is like a perfect example of them being hot and cold or probably more like hot and raging angry with each other because, you know, he's telling her, don't you leave me. And if you get lost to the shadows, I'm going to go in and find you. Like he's really saying things that are making you swoon. And then two seconds later, he just turns back into the- And then two seconds later, (laughs) when Lance is like- so hard in this part. When Lance is like, how'd you get that draining dagger? And- Darcy's like, how do you think we got it? And they put two and two together and they realize that Tori stole it from Darius's room. Ergo, Tori set Darius's room on fire. Which means that she set up Milton and it caused this whole snowball effect of all the revenge that they've been secretly doing against them. stubborn ass Darius cannot look past this, of course. He proclaims his undying love, basically, I think. And then is instantly turned off and pissed and growling and grumbly about it. Yeah. And he not just growling and grumbling, he gets physical yeah, with he like Tori. Basically yes. pins her to, to the, the ground, ground and has his hands around her throat. He's not actively choking her, but there's she's afraid of him in that she's moment. In, he's instilling fear the way Lionel instills fear. So yeah. it's like he doesn't want to become his father, but he definitely reverts back to being asshole Lionel's son in moments like this. And it's so sad to see. And Lance, the reason why Darcy, Darcy and Lance had that little tiff at the beginning before Fairy Fairy is because of this moment right here where Darcy being the twin sister is like, I'm going to go fight for my sister, which means I'm going to go up to Darius and break this up or do whatever. And Lance is actually holding her back. And he's like, you can't intervene. This is Faye on Faye. And she's like, fuck this. This is not cool. And that's how they start their fight. Yeah. yeah. And also it's, you know, not an appropriate Faye on Faye because Tori was just dying and now woke she's up getting beat up out. on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like she she just had no blood for a little bit. And yeah, maybe we should reevaluate. I feel like the heirs never play fair at all because even when they like bully them, they gang up on them like it's usually four on one, but they take turns throughout the bullying session. Mm-hmm. 
It's some bullshit. So I will say, though, that Tori is just as defiant with him as she normally is. And she's not backing down and she's not cowering in front of him. She might be shaken in her boots on the inside, but she's just like, yeah, and I did it. And what? And he only sees that. And he wants her to submit all the time. Like, that's the dragon in him. He wants her to bow down. So I think he transforms into a dragon and flies away. But he knows. To go have his little pissy five-year-old toddler tantrum. coming out of his nose. And mm-hmm. I think he lets out like a huge fireball, if I'm not yeah. just in anger. So then the next day, as she's getting ready to go through the water trial, she runs into Darius. Oh, this part and, really hurt. Oh, she runs into Darius and, you know, she smacks into him because she's running and I forget what happens, but he ends up basically throwing her back into the ground and calling her a whore. Caleb at that point shows up and he's like, dude, that's really weak of you. Throwing her in the mud, that's not cool. Whatever, they have the water trial and that night... Tori can't get over really what happened in this shadow realm and what happened with her like cutting herself and she needs a distraction and she goes looking for Caleb. So she's leaving Ignis house, but she runs into Darius and Darius is like, you can't go out. You know, there's curfew. You're going to get caught. You're going to lose his house points. Bless you. And he grabs, he actually grabs Tori's, whatchamacallit, the tablet thing. The atlas. Yes. Atlas, yeah. He grabs Tori's atlas and, you know, I forget what he does. Oh, he pulls up a story about the twins, how they were possibly cheating to get through the elemental trials. So anyways, Tori goes to Caleb's room. They hook up. That evening, Darius got the confirmation that he needed as he went through Tori's atlas and he found all of the order information for all of the practical jokes that they played on the airs. Doesn't she like sneak into Caleb's room and like plops down on his bed from the window, which is how they got in there the first time to drop in the Pegasus. Mm -hmm. So then that's like another hint for Caleb to be like, wait, how did she get in? And he doesn't care at the moment. And then when Darius- he doesn't care because he's going to- He's going to get laid. Yeah, we know. Doesn't care. And then later when Darius tells all of them what they've been up to, he's like, oh shit, that's how she got into my room. And that's how they were in there in the first place. And I don't think we talked about it, but on the way to Fairy Fay or Fairy- Fairy Fair. What is it? The Fairy Fair. Fairy Fair. Very hard to say. She was going there with him as her date, as his date. And he stops out in the forest before they get there. And he's basically telling her to get out. He like pushes her out of the car or something. He's trying to scare her. Caleb is trying to scare Tori. Yeah. How does she get back? Before he he feeds on her. He takes her back. Okay. Yeah, he, he kind feeds of, from her and forgives her. He goes back on it. He's he plans to like terrify her and leave her there and like manhandle have her a conversation and- because they know how to use their words. And she was like, you know, I told you that I would get back at you. And he's like, you're right. You did tell me that. All right, we're fine. <laughs> This is why I love Caleb. I know. <laughs> Caleb's the best. He's, He's like, I'm not going to let it get in the way of like us still hooking up. So then they end up going to the fair together still as a couple. Yeah. yeah. And they have a great time together. They do the haunted they, yeah, house. Yeah, they actually had fun. Yeah. They, they enjoy did. each other's company beyond the uh, sex, which is typically oh. what they're enjoying each other for. And there was a kissing booth, so she went up to go to do the kissing booth to give money because it was for, like, an orphanage or something, and Darius gets super pissy and, like, pushes her out of the way or something like that, and she's like, are you kidding me? So then she runs off with Caleb. 
Yeah, because Darius was like, oh, that's really good. You're going to go to the kissing booth after they're spreading rumors that you have a sex addiction. And she's like, "Um, the money goes to orphans. I wasn't going to make out the guy. I just was asking questions. And Darius feels like an asshole and then contacts his like accountant or whoever deals with this money and sets up a like a fund to donate. Caleb does. Caleb's the one who donates. Because that's when she he Caleb like tells Tori that and that's when she's like I don't want big gestures I just want to have fun and that's when they go and do the haunted house oh yeah he does that immediately to prove it to her and like shows her a text message but doesn't Darius also do like donations to something because that's the paper that she found when she was looking for the Advil or the ibuprofen yeah but you're you're in book four so let's come back to book three (laughs) she's done it (laughs) She's done her, her spoiler per episode. I really thought that was when no. this past time when she woke up. Because no, she had she, the hangover. She had the hangover in book four as well. Tori's frequently hungover. And you know what? I feel bad for her because no one told her she can just spell it away. Everyone's just letting her suffer through the day. I mean, yeah. I feel like her hangovers went on far too long for some someone that – You know, can- I'm still convinced this was this book. No, no. Because I thought that's what they got into their fight with before she left, storming out of there. No, that's why they fight in book four. Trust me. So what did they fight about this book after they woke up? What don't they fight about? They didn't really fight when they they woke up. up. Because she was just kind of like – No, because she's – sorry. She's telling – he's telling her about what she was doing, how she had like lost control of her magic and the whole nightmare that she's having. And she's like, well, why do you think I'm having this nightmare? And so they get into the fight about that and that's why she leaves. Gotcha. All right. Brain is all scrambled, I guess. Fairy fair happens. The next day is the lunar eclipse. And so Caleb is sent home or recalled home by his mother because the eclipse can really affect vampires. And Caleb has gotten into trouble before when he's lost control of his order while in bloodlust. So his mother. She doesn't want a PR nightmare on her hands like she had previously. So she brings his butt home. And it's basically like, you can't come out and play because you're exactly. But of course, during the lunar eclipse, you are drawn to people. And despite all of the drama between them, Tori and Darius are drawn to each other, which includes Tori sexting him, for lack of, she sends him a half-naked picture. And she's like, is my outfit okay? I don't think my shoes go with my underwear. Um <laughs> And he's like, yeah, no, you look great. <laughs> so anyways, everybody's down on the beach partying. Darius is pacing back and forth. He doesn't know if he needs to go towards her like he wants to, but, you know, he knows that he shouldn't. But at some point, Tori is walking away and he follows her and they're basically confessing to each other that they're super drawn to each other. But then what happens? Lionel shows up and he's like, oh, Darius, he finally did something right by, you know, bringing Tori out here by herself. Anyways, Lionel captures them. He had already captured Darcy and Lance. Lance. How do you forget that one? (laughs) Just all these names because they had been hooking up as well. Although I don't think anybody realized that that's what they were doing. But whatever. So Seth almost caught them at that point right before they got captured. But Seth was like super drunk. So he had no idea what was going on. Oh, and Seth also breaks up with Kylie during the lunar eclipse because he felt drawn to Darcy and he wanted to hook up with her, even though he found out about the flea prank. So anyways, Lionel kidnaps the four of them. He captures the twins. He's going to have this whole ceremony because they're going to enter the shadow realm so that they can start 
harnessing the power of the shadows, which is the same ceremony that they tried to perform four years ago when they used Clara to do it. But then they realized that they interpreted whatever the shadow text incorrectly and they needed royal blood. And Um, Clara is Lance's sister. Mm -hmm. So they're performing the ceremony. Lance is getting beat up. Darius is getting beat up because they're trying to escape and they almost escape. But then Lionel grabs Xavier and he's like, if you guys do anything wrong, I'm going to kill Xavier. They had tried to warn Xavier previously so he could flee to the mortal world with Catalina, his mother. But I guess Stella, Lance's mother, was one step ahead and they realized that they were escaping. So anyways, they don't really have a choice. The twins need to be used for this terrible ceremony and they're going to be used to channel the shadows from the shadow realm. And so this whole thing happens. But before we know it, it's such a like overwhelming sense of power that the twins order forms finally emerges. And lo and behold, they are phoenixes. Is anybody shocked by this? No, I feel like Bridget doesn't have a reaction. So maybe she is shocked by this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I knew. I I think we all knew that they were going to be phoenixes. Like, we're not caught off guard by this. However, because Lionel is, again, an arrogant asshole, he can't imagine anybody being more powerful than him. He misinterprets their order form as fire harpies, which is a strong version of the harpy. And also their mother was a harpy. So kind of makes that connection. But essentially, that's where book three ends. The ceremony finishes they survive much to Darius and Lance's relief that they're okay they think the twins are fire harpies and Lionel tries to dark coerce them which is a more powerful form of coercion where that can't be broken and he wants the twins to not remember what happened he's like the only thing you'll remember from this night is that you guys got your order form but because they are phoenixes they can burn through as Tori puts it all this bullshit and so the dark coercion does not stick stick to them. And so essentially Darius takes the girls and he decides he's going to take them to the hollow, which is their fancy tree house. And that's how book three ends. Don't they have shadows? So we don't find that out until book four. So you got a preview of book four. We find out that Lionel <laughs> and them get the shadows. Like we find out that it works. Uh- yeah. In this book. Yes. Yeah. For okay. I knew someone had shadows at this point. Yeah. Right. Lionel so the, and his like band of followers. The purpose of the death eaters. The death eaters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Lance and go. Darius got reference. them too. Yes. So they right. assume the girls don't have them. And so he's like, send them off on their merry way and pretend like nothing happened. Right. So their um, their ceremony worked. It just didn't work that he couldn't convince them it didn't happen with dark coercion. So everyone yeah. now has access to the shadow realm, whether they liked it or not. Do you want to say that emotions were really high during this entire scene? And so Lance is obviously trying to protect Darius, but he also is trying to protect Darcy and he's like apologizing to her and is like, so sorry, there's something else I could do. And, you know, I think the other two are kind of like, they're awfully close. They were not expecting that reaction from them. And then I think Darius not even as paying well. Attention to them they're not paying they're attention freaking to out about their own stuff. Well, I feel like Darius at one point looked over and was like, I think that happens in book four. Fuck, why is everything in book four? I don't- Look, there's a but lot while, that happens in book three. I thought we had a rule for you. You were going to put stuff in the chat and we were going to corroborate it. I thought it we were before. <laughs> it's okay. I would have been like, yeah, this happens. I think Colleen's the only other source of truth that actually knows what happens in book four. Um, I read it like in December. Go ahead, Colleen. They, but while Lance and 
is like freaking out about Darcy. Oh my goodness, Darius. Again, the names. It's late at night. They all have these D names. It's very, it's a struggle. So Darius, because he's trying to protect Xavier and doesn't want him to be killed, kind of stops fighting and takes everything very stoically. And it's just like, you'll be fine. I mean, he's saying it to be reassuring, but this is a big turning point for Tori because she was about to, you know, succumb to her feelings to him during the lunar eclipse. But when he isn't fighting for her, she's super turned off. She's like, okay. It's the betrayal. Yeah. Yeah. And she Mm -hmm. actually thinks that he plotted to kidnap them for Lionel. Yeah. Um, That's a very good point to bring up because that sets up a lot of drama in book four. (laughs) The only other thing that I want to talk about, which we didn't get to mention because it didn't fall into the storyline, is that towards the beginning of the book, Max gets a call from his father and he's like, hey, grab the rest of the heirs. We captured a nymph and we're going to question the nymph and we want you guys to be here to witness this Grab the boys. And so whatever, they all stardust to, I don't know, FIB, Solarian Capital Police Station. I don't know, the FIB place. And they're there for the questioning of this nymph. And it gets a little bit, I mean, it's it's a weird scene because the counselors are being really rough with the nymph, but whatever. I've seen enough police procedurals that I guess it was fine. But essentially, Lionel loses his temper and he ends up setting the nymph on fire. The nymph dies. I think he beats it to death, which is even more brutal. He like punches it into nothing. Yeah, I thought it was something like that too. But the biggest takeaway from that scene is that it's from Max's perspective. And Max being a siren, he's able to pick up on emotions. And one of the emotions that he picks up on from Lionel is relief. The only emotion because he usually has it locked down. Yeah, there were three emotions. One of them was relief and just really he felt, I don't want to say grateful because it wasn't grateful, but he felt really relieved that the nymph died without really saying much of anything. Well, I think there was like a happiness too because he enjoys murder because he's a psychopath so but max thought it was a very strange reaction that's Um, suspicious that's so weird suspicious behavior on lionel's part who would have thought so Um, off brand and i think that's it unless we want to talk about seth and darcy Hmm. the gist of it seth yeah had to like initiate her into the pack because he accidentally claimed her as a beta i'm still not entirely sure how that happened but his pack is not happy with him that a she was around him and gave them all fleas and b now that they have to have her in the pack well they don't know they don't know yet about the fleas but they're really offended that he would initiate a non-wolf into the wolf pack and that's part of the reason why they are shunning him i think him for the fleas yeah seth accidentally initiates her when their room is being searched by the fib and he calls her his omega so that Mm -hmm. brings out his wolf instinct and so this starts a sort of extra obsession with Seth over Darcy and he finds himself thinking about her all the time and he finds himself drawn to her during the eclipse and he really wants to hook up with her but she's like yeah no Seth I'm not interested and at some point he stumbles upon a weird scene between Darcy and Orion which Lance plays off as like oh thanks for my blood source that's the Um, night of the lunar eclipse yeah and then but Seth was like wasted and he was like oh that's weird i didn't see any blood anyways that comes into play in book four and i think those are all the major topics and it only took us like an hour and 50 minutes to discuss them so pretty so good. much happens 
And we have to mention all these things because they set us up for later plot points. The Twisted Sisters are great about that, leaving us clues that we think are throwaway clues that actually come back to be major plot points later on. That is an excellent point. Oh, did we talk about Astrum? No? And his cards? Astrum's cards are still popping up. Yes. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. The only – the only Everything thing was, will be revealed is the latest one. And they're like, revealed what? <laughs> yeah, it was like, you'll get your answers during the lunar eclipse. And so the answer they did get was their order form. I just picture them like, you know, that movie, what you did last time. like, what do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me the answers, Astrum. Just write them on the cards you are leaving me. And then right. I have to yeah. wait. You know, it's hilarious. Things have always got to be a little bit harder than they are. Well, I guess that concludes our many topic points and deep dive discussion on Zodiac Academy Book 3, The Reckoning. And next up, one of the more painful books, I feel. Now, Hilda may say five is your most painful? No, I mean, definitely seven is the most painful. Four, four hurts. Four hurts. I think four is top on the pain I I meter. frequently Maybe like, think about four than think of four. <laughs> It's, Do it's, you not think about seven because you're just in denial? Because I oh, think that's valid. I blocked out seven. I don't like to think about it. It hurts way too much. I'm still stuck on four. Uh, I can't deal with seven. Like, right. I think I am in denial of the things that happen in seven. And therefore, I'm just I'm hung up on the things that I know have happened. I think five gets me worse. Five is I also- think there's certain aspects of five that I a I kept thinking things were going to take a, a different turn than they did, and I was like, I don't want to read that. Five, the ending of five hurts on a totally different level, but it hurts almost as much as four. So basically, what we're saying is that get ready, buckle up if you have not read the series, or if you're reliving it with us right now because we're in for some pain for the next couple episodes. And you yeah, can talk it about really it with us. Get, this well, is a safe space, but we will not be able to pay for your therapy bills because we have to pay for our own from reading yeah. books no, four, we'll five, forward and them seven. To, we'll forward them to the sisters. Yes. Um, so before we leave, let's give some quick shout outs. So want to give... You know, you guys can always leave us love, recommend books for us. We're happy to hear that. You can go to wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at Book Talk Made Me on Apple Music and I believe Amazon, right? You can find us on Amazon, on All the places. Were you listening? Where are? So you can find us there. Please leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Which series, book series so far has been your favorite? We heard from one of our friends. Now, I'm sorry if I say this wrong. But your screen name is MTN Books. You left us a very nice review, so I want to give you a nice shout out. Now we're we're wondering: is it Mountain Books or is it Motion Books? I'm going Mountain I Books. For mountain. I think it's Mountain or just Books. MTN Books. MTN Books. Anyway, we see you. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for dropping us a line. Also, want to give a shout out to our Instagram friend Heather R, who is pleading with us to cover Crescent City. And I wonder who is the holdup. <clears throat> Heather, Bridget. girl, I'm, I'll get there. Don't worry. I will read this book for you and then we will do the recording. Because yeah. there is so much, so much. To we discuss. are definitely planning an SJM deep dive for 2023 because you can't cover one of the series without covering them all. There's just too much for our, our big, big love for Sarah J. Mass and the world she creates. And we just, we want to get into them. So in 2023, did any of her books come out in 2023? Um, we're supposed to get the third Crescent City book. So Chop Chop Bridget. Yeah. <laughs> get can't it going. Wait forever. You know 
Okay, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna wait like a month before it comes out no. and then read the two books. No, and then- we have no, to talk about it before. Bridget, I don't to- know how you haven't been spoiled yet. That's the thing. You, you, your days All are I numbered. Hear is I feel in that respect. <laughs> Your days are numbered. You're in danger. Spoilers all the time for that. On I just like see it and I go floop. I know my like fantasy reading card is going to get revoked. I know. (laughs) What's going to happen is you're going to be like, what? Why did nobody tell me? Yeah. No, I'm going to say, oh, you guys told me so, and I should have listened to you sooner. And no, I need the raw reaction. I need the raw reaction to book two. I kind of want you to call us right when you're about to finish reading the last I three pages video for you guys. Just so we can see your face. Okay, great. Thank you. I freaked out when I finished. I was like, Caitlin, you need to read this book because I need to talk about it with some somebody now. Like, get on it. Yeah. I remember I texted Caitlin because she finished before I did it. I was like, Caitlin! Yeah, and I texted Colleen because you had not finished yet. And I was like, holy shnaheeballs! <laughs> so much. Yeah. So much happens in like the last – Page and a half. It's not even a full chapter. It's just like crazy. Like as you're reading the words, like my brain is screaming as I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. You're like, is this really happening? And crying. Like, is this really happening? Is this really happening? And then you got the last line. You're like, oh my god, this happened. So all this to say, Heather, we we know. (laughs) I I hope we've convinced Bridget to like, (laughs) Bridget. That was some emotional stuff there. <laughs> Talk about damage I have from Joseph and Sisters. Bridget, now I feel like <laughs> on purpose, Bridget doesn't want to read it just to. Honestly, from what you're telling me, I don't know if my heart can handle anymore. It, can handle. it, can, it handle. can handle. It can handle. It can handle. series crap. It can handle. It's a good cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger that it leaves you wanting more because Does you're it leave so you in pain. No, no. It okay. leaves you wanting more because well, you're excited about the possibility. Of pain. Yes. And you're yes. forgetting about like the sentences right before. Y- yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There is pain, but you, it like the pain and then the excitement overrides the pain. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with that. And there's so many theories. Like there's so many unhinged theories that we have to get into talking about all the Sarah J. Mass stories, especially Akatar. You guys know I could talk about Akatar for days and Throne of Glass. Shout out to oh, I think it's Chemical Rosie. Um, she is a book talker. She has the craziest, like deep dives. Like I am so impressed. Honestly, if they could give a doctorate in Sarah J. Mass, she should probably is she get it. The Australian one that I'm thinking. Or I think so. New yeah, Zealand? the one. I'm- she her theories, she, man. She whips out her books and she has like all these color coded tabs, just going straight like, down. Pop. And she's like, "Well, this happened, and this happened. Case and in this point, happened. chapter twelve. Akasef takes us back <laughs> to this in Akatar, and you're I, you're just like she's connecting the dots, and I'm, I'm like, it's tracking. The math is mathing, and I don't know if I <laughs> the math is know. mathing. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle this. Um, but so yeah, Bridget, again, chop chop. You got to give the people what they want, and by the people, it's Heather and us. So yeah, and then I guess also shout out to our listeners in. Cambodia and Lebanon and I think Iraq. We were charting over there. Um, so thank you. We, we appreciate you. We love your you. downloads from across the pond. I feel free to drop us a line. Also, you can always find us on Book Talk Me underscore Pod on Instagram and TikTok, and just chat with us. We love to hear from you. All forms of communication we accept. Yeah, nothing makes us more excited than getting either like a new review. 
or an email or a DM and like we take a screenshot and send it to the other two people. We're like, oh my God, people like us. It's very exciting. We've been living this this week and I can't admit it makes me do a happy dance in the kitchen. So send them. Come on. All right, guys. Well, that's all all the love we have for ourselves (laughs) and for this book. But we hope you guys enjoyed it and we'll catch you on book four. Whose name I don't remember because, again, I just go in numbers. It's Shadow, Shadow Princess. Princess. And we have a special guest. So make sure you tune in. It's going to yes. be a good one. Super special surprise for Shadow Princess. All right, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye.